Hey everyone, welcome to Spawn Camp. Every week I get together with my friends and other people I know to focus on the games and media that we love and try to focus on all of the positive and unique things that set them apart. I'm Tony, I'm a designer and I live in London and I am joined by two wonderful hosts this week. Uh, you have met him before, but I am joined again by Oak, if you want to say hello. Hello everyone, I'm Oak. Uh, this is, I think, maybe my third time here. It's very exciting. I kind of head up things at, at Hang and I, and I'm head of community at Spitfire, and I'm also director of the very wonderful Watchpoint Pride. So uh, I like organizing projects. That's what I do. Excellent. And this week we are joined by a new guest. Everyone, this is Chef, if you want to say a little bit about yourself. What's going on, everybody? I'm Chef Billy. I am a uh, caster, a uh, shoutcaster for the Overwatch Path to Pro. I am currently in Contender's Trials. I uh, cast not only uh, Overwatch, but also uh, FIFA and Rocket League. And uh, I'm also a member of Watchpoint Pride with Oak. And uh, very happy to be here. Excellent. And I'm assuming that for those listening and whoever seen the title, the assumption is probably this episode is going to be about Pride. But um, before we dive into the topics we're going to cover whether it's Bioware and their relationships or how representation happens in games. I'd love to know a little bit about what both of you have been up to, whether you've been watching or reading anything that you feel like sharing. I've I've gone in really hard on Shadow and Bone on Netflix. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit upset. It's a very good recommendation. I was like, oh, okay. So not only have I been watching that, I've also been reading the book at the same time and they may have got the audiobook as well and so i'm mostly just currently shipping like ivan and Theodore. um that's what i've been up to most recently it's just become a mild obsession but i'll work through it so that's me (laughs) (laughs) i mean other than you know just getting done with trials last week um i i i watched the entirety of the reboot of battlestar galactica from start to finish and i i did it in about two and a half weeks incredible and it, i i because i had forgotten how it ended and I, I was very upset once again at the ending i thought they <laughs> i thought they rushed it but i still like how they tied it off so that's what i've been doing in my in my, in my spare time there's a wonderful portlandia sketch where they get obsessed with battlestar galactica <laughs> and that starts with them very gently getting into it and then it cuts to them at the end and they're screaming at the tv and they're like, <laughs> one more episode <laughs> <laughs> They're disheveled, covered in food. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah, <mood. laughs> I have. <laughs> We're all a bit disheveled. I think it's perfectly fine. Um, yesterday, I dove headfirst into the new Bo Burnham special on Netflix. Um, I have loved Bo Burnham for a long time. I think he's a wonderful creator. And his most recent special was uh, particularly nuanced and a very necessary kind of take and perspective at this moment in time. He recorded all of it over COVID lockdown, and it took him about a year to do. And it covers everything from being, you know, frustrated at the state of the world and unsure of how to like sext when or or like develop romantic relationships when you can't see anyone in person. And he interjects all of it with a ton of really poignant comedy that's just, ooh, it's chef's kiss. I would definitely <laughs> recommend it. Uh, it is Bo Burnham's new special on Netflix called Inside. But sounds yeah, a lot I, more highbrow than what I've been up to, man. Like, that just sunk me. That sounds fantastic, though, for real. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah, you should you should check it out. And I've watched Shadow and Bone as well. I got into it. I like I like cheesy romance. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but I have brought you both here to get your opinions and perspectives on stuff. So I am here to mostly shut up and just talk to you and let you talk to me. <laughs> So, um, Oak, if, if you've got anything you want to just kind of dive into. Um, so I think, 
maybe the first thing we can go into is the the choices we have in games with regards to like LGBTQ plus kind of characters and romances, he says, with quoted air fingers. Um it's definitely something that's more of an option now, I think, in my experience, especially from like the RPG scene. Like I feel like that was the first area where it became a thing. Like you you know, you're playing a character, you're going through a story. There are of course romance options. So I feel like that's been really cute to see. Um but what I've been really impressed to see recently is how that's kind of been spreading out. Like, there's a whole sort of Steam library of games that now are in some way featuring LGBTQ plus uh, characters. And that's been amazing to see. But uh, it's been a long time coming. And I still think it's got quite a long way to go, personally. I don't know about you. I mean, I, I, I feel, you know, that one of the earliest games that I can think of where you can actually choose to go... Uh, get it on with a member of your same sex was Dragon Age 2. Uh, and I know we're going to talk about Bioware later on, but honestly, I, in my own personal experiences, that was the first time that I could be a male character and go get it on with another male. And I mean, I, I it, it filled me with incredible pride. I also felt, uh, you know, I, I'm an older gay, okay? I, I'm 43 years old. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I struggled through the, the, the 90s. I came out in 1991. So, um it was not okay back then. So I still felt ashamed being able to do this uh, in a game. I actually felt a little dirty. And I mean, I, I've had my share of, of, of prom promiscuity of being of that age as well. But, you know, I, I felt very weird. It wasn't something that was normal to me. Mm -hmm. It was very, it made me feel uncomfortable, but also extremely proud at the same time. That's really interesting because I felt, kind of a bit counter to that in a way because i i'd kind of grown up always knowing that i was gay so i was never under the illusion that i was going to be anything else it was definitely a point of waiting for other people to be okay with it like i couldn't quite gauge like i knew i was different i knew that i liked boys but i wasn't quite aware that it was going to be a problem for other people i was like let's just stay quiet until someone else says something about it and then we can do it and so for me it was all like biding time to wait till i can do stuff so like you know, i'd be happily playing through games as like a young teen and being like ah yes this is my wife and she fills me with joy and love and all the things that are expected of me but kind of like just waiting for it to kind of come along and, and when it did i was like oh my god that's really neat that's quite cute i know that uh for not necessarily for like relationships and stuff but i know that one game that gets a lot of critical acclaim for kind of just introducing those concepts in a really subtle kind of a story way i don't know if either of you have played gone home um that's a game by fulbright studios and it kind of presents itself as a horror game it's all first person perspective mm -hmm. and you kind of uh, visit your childhood home after being sort of estranged from your family to visit them briefly and see your sister and none of them are home and by using context clues spread around the house and discovering you know, notes and hidden videos and things. You kind of figure out where they've all gone, stories that have been happening while you're away. But the main crux is that your sister was disowned by your parents because she liked another girl at school. And the kind of climax of the story is you go up to the attic and find where she has laid out her plans to run away with this girl and kind of seek happiness outside of your family. And it's this, it's this bittersweet sort of moment. But that was a really subtle but also genuine and earnest way to present that and it didn't wear it on its sleeve you know it wasn't like here's a big gay story it was just yeah. like here's this thing that yeah i don't know that that was one of 
I know it's not super important what my first experience mm -hmm. was with that, but that was one that was like a really genuine, honest take. And I think that there's a ton of room for more of those where it's yeah. not necessarily, it's just another element to it. Um, yeah. You were talking about Steam games. I forget the exact name of it, but it's the dad dating simulator is just excellent. <laughs> what? <laughs> we, we've come a long way. <laughs> um, have you played that one, Oak? I'm forgetting the name right now. Uh I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that that's necessarily up my market, up my street. But um, I mean, it's it's not without. Yeah, perhaps my you, perhaps you would like this game. <laughs> oh no, I, I liked it. I did get, I, I did the trailer, and I was like, I'm not big into like the the romance dating sim kind of games because they get a bit like, eh, a bit kind of trite and a bit cliche. But that's kind of also where the appeal is in those things. Yeah, from what I know about it, Chef, it is a bunch of. I mean, you've got your you've got your selection. You've got like hunks. You've got um, kind of wiry, aloof kind of guys. I think there's a single dad. And a lot of it is, it presents itself very cute and very genuinely and to the point. I think that it has been really well received. So that might be one. I'll have to find the name of it. Um, it's I'll, got I'll like, just... like, it's got like your bears, your muscle bears, your muscle daddies. It's kind of got all of those type of things going on. And then like your otters and your cubs and all those sort of things. It's like a, a, a cross section of sort of, all the animal kingdoms of being <laughs> but um definitely yes, up my alley i mean, I mean just I'm saying not, not <laughs> it, is, it is called dream daddy is the name is dream, dream daddy. daddy holy I mean, crap I'm not <laughs> grinder, but... <laughs> <laughs> ah but, you're um, a mess and i love it Oh, I, I need to. I actually need to check this out. I need to check this out because <laughs> you do. It, it's really, really good. But going back to what you're saying, like about noticing things appearing in games, I remember. Uh, for me, it was like Fable Two. Uh, really big fan of the Fable games, mm. and I think it was in Fable Two. I, you were able to have like a, a same-sex uh, spouse. You could sort of romance them and, and marry them, and, and it was entirely inconsequential to, to the outcome of the game. Like it had no bearing on outcome. It was just one of those neat things that you could do if you wanted to and i didn't realize i could do it on my first playthrough i just assumed that i wasn't allowed to and i remember going through it and be like oh and here's my wife and here's all our kids and i was like great woo uh and then it was until a friend of mine said oh yeah like my husband and i was like oh you're playing a female character and they're like no no i'm playing a guy i was like what so i went back through <laughs> and played it and i was like right romancing every man that i can get my hands on it's um <laughs> like art imitating life i guess at some point oh so, lord <laughs> I it knew was, that was coming. It was it was really, really <laughs> great and really, really inclusive, especially like for a young gay oak. It was like, ah, okay, so I can live out that idea of like, you know, me and my husband and our adopted children in, you know, fantasy magical world. Like that's not necessarily the dream. But for a young gay person, it was quite life affirming to be like, ah, okay, so we're now appearing in these media, living these kind of traditional lifestyles, and that was quite interesting. I'm I'm kind of curious, uh, Chef. You you were saying that you had, uh, you know, kind of came out at a time when it was a lot more pressure and a lot more kind of exclusion. Have you noticed kind of a change in the gaming community as a as a whole of like being more accepting and that kind of, you know, it kind of I would imagine goes hand in hand. Where as people are more accepting, you find a lot more of those options in games, or is it different? Um. I've got two takes on this. I think that the options that are out there available to us now are are many varied and multicolored uh, uh, as as representations of the pride flag. You know, I, I think that, you know, anybody can be anybody right now in a lot of games and especially games that you have an online community. I think that's also 
something that's grown more is, you know, people are willing to be, you know, non-binary or, or you know, asexual or a femboy or transsexual or whatever they want to be. Um, I, I feel that, you know, just the freedom of where we're at today in the world, um, it, it does translate over. I also have found that there's a lot more hate towards people online, and I hear it a lot uh, in my lobbies that I play in in games. If there's any inkling that you might not be anything other than a cis, heterosexual, male or female, you are putting a target on your back. And I, I, well, I, I can't hear any arguments otherwise because I've seen it happen too many times. Um, mm-hmm. if, I, if I've had you know, a little bit too much to drink and I, I decide to act a little bit you know, flaming, um, the F-bombs come out so quickly. It's so fast. I'm just like, yes, that's a great play. And they're like, oh, you, you know, the word. Yeah. And it's just like, they're, wow. They're happy with you, like, being gay as long as you're not, like, overtly gay. Mm-hmm. They'd be very happy if you were just, like, a quiet suburban homo behind some shutters. I mean, that's that's my life every day. <laughs> uh, I mean, you have to be that. I mean, but, I mean, that's my choice. I mean, that's who I am, IRL. I, I'm, I'm a homebody. Uh, I'm a dad of five and a granddad of two. Uh, you know, and so like, I am literally that, but you know, if I want to, you know, act up and get a little bit homoerotic or, you know, even just, you know, just put the wig on for a second, you know, I shouldn't have to endure that, uh, and no, neither should anybody else. And I, I've had, you know, there, there's people that are in Watchpoint private with us that I, I've, you know, they, they've told me stories and, you know, if you are transitioning to another gender and somebody happens to pick up on that in their, in their headset, it's an instant attack. And I, I just, I, I feel for my brothers and sisters, you know, I'm, I'm a defender, you know, and if once that F-bomb gets dropped, straight butch daddy Billy comes out and I'm up in my mic and I'm telling them what I did with their dad last night. Because, <laughs> I mean, they always go like to, you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, 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 you're the F-word, you're the C-word. I'm just like, you know what? Well, that's not what, not what your dad said last night. Because, you know, most straight males will go, oh, I did this to your mom. I always go straight for the heart. I go for the, I go for the, I, what, what I did with their dad last night. And that's how I'm combating it personally. It's not always pretty, but I feel like, you know, if they can, if they can go down to the gutters, then I can meet them there and pretty much make them feel much worse about themselves and make them think about a little bit, you know, what it's like once you drop that, what the consequences are. Um, and, and people yeah. say I shouldn't be doing that and stuff like that. I'm like, well, what? so it's okay for them to call me the F word and I should just brush it mm. off. Nah, that's not it's me. Tricky. Like there is always going to be that disparity in the community, but how do you address this? Some people choose <laughs> to sort of meet it head on and fight fire with fire. And in many instances that can be effective because some people need to be put into check by being confronted with the same attitudes that they're putting out. And it's almost like a mirror um i don't know myself i always tend to i mean it depends how angry you are if, you, if you're very cross and it hits me personally then it is unbridled rage and there's there's no refining that i tend to certainly burn a lot colder um and like on like on twitter when Watchpoint point pride was announced like there was a lot of really hateful comments but i did my best to like engage with them all conversationally and i think if you boil down to it i think 99.9 percent of people don't have an issue and those that do it's you know, it's a cultural thing. It's a religious aspect. It's not something you're going to change through discourse. But you can certainly build bridges with, I think, most people once you take some of the fire and some of the energy out of it. But most people come to fight. 
Yeah, I really, I really was proud of you how you handled that because I don't know in some of those instances I could have handled it the same way. Um, so I mean, even though I, I mean, we all have our ways of of, of fighting and deflecting and and stuff like mm. that. And you know, I, I mean, that moment for all of us on on the Overwatch League main stage was one of the proudest moments of our amount of my life. So I mean, I was only up there for like five seconds, but still. We were our, our authentic, genuine selves, and for anybody to come attacking us after that, I, I felt, gosh, is this really what you have to do with your life? <laughs> like, is there not can anything better? Can you tell better? me about that moment um, can, for, for people who don't know? I, I mean, it, it was literally just a still shot of me. You know, we were all watching uh, a Dallas Fuel game, um, and somebody had taken a screenshot of us up there, and they posted it up there uh, during a during a clip. Uh, in between maps uh, on the Overwatch League, and and Oak and Nika uh, were the interviewees for this uh, to show everybody what Watchpoint Pride was. And it was, I mean, seeing my face up there on the screen, I died. I was gagging for it. And seeing all of us up there just being ourselves. Uh, some of us were VTubers. Some of us were in cosplay. Some of us were dressed, uh, uh, you know, in whatever gear we wanted. And... Um, you know, it, it was just a beautiful snapshot of who we are as a community, not only the Watchpoint Pride community, but also as a gay community as a whole. And it was just a beautiful moment for for those of us that, you know, did have to live in the shadows back in the day. It was a very affirming thing for us and got lots of love. I mean, Zoe, the host of a, of a Watchpoint or Watchpoint or what do they call it? Watchpoint. Watchpoint. Yeah, just Watchpoint. Um I reached out to her and said, thank you so much for the love. And she actually responded back with a rainbow heart collection. I'm just like, ah, cause she's yeah. so cute. And I love her. <laughs> it's interesting because <laughs> cycling onto to the game side of things, it's interesting because when you see queer characters in <clears throat> games, there are off, there are many queer characters. There are very few queer storylines. And I think there is very little, light shone in games or stories explored that focus on these struggles faced by lgbtq plus people and of course it's going to depend on the game and the universe in which the game is set many universes are now increasingly written where it's a non-issue um but you know my background in games is i did games design story development at university and it was all about story driven games and stuff and conflict is a driver to narrative and uh i think there's a lot of stories left to be told through the lens of gaming about queer lives and queer experiences as there are for many other communities around the world that could could have their stories uh in some way represented through a, a gamer's experience to give agency to a player and let them kind of experience that it's a little uh, an inkling of your method, uh, chef, of of doing a fire kind of with fire thing. Mm -hmm. You're just trying to instill empathy by putting someone in someone's shoes. It's like, how would you feel if this happened to you? If you were this person having this done to you, having that experience in a game where, and it doesn't necessarily have to be bad, but having an experience where you're getting to live through someone else's life, you're getting to see things through someone else's eyes can give that empathy of like, Oh, weird. Other people are also human and I'm a human and maybe I should treat them with respect and love. Mm. I think that's uh, probably one of the best avenues is through gaming because you have that direct agency. Mm. You are the player. You are their story and their character. Yeah, agreed.
Agreed. But we were going to touch on specifically kind of the relationships that are instilled in various Bioware property. Mm. I know that the one that uh, I did that kind of got me started with it weirdly was Dragon Age Inquisition, which is probably one of Bioware's most recent games. But I've recently been diving into the Mass Effect Legendary Edition and getting to experience all of these now in kind of their, their prime state. And I would love to know, you know, what kind of options you all chose what kind of things stuck out to you as good or things that could have been improved on? I mean, Dragon Age 2. I, like I said, I mentioned that in the in the beginning. Um, that was the first time I ever had a chance to, you know, uh, have a have a uh, have any kind of intercourse, you know, with another member of my own sex. Um, I always had the hots uh, for Commander Shepard. Um, yeah, I always made him super gruff daddy looking with the beard and everything, you know, and the beautiful piercing blue eyes. I mean, my hyper masculine my, yeah, I know. No, I always go for the hyper masculinity when it's in this, in in that, in in that setting. But I mean, I, 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 in the back of my mind, I always, I always question, um, were the Asari non-binary or were they, you know, could they assign their own gender? Uh, it, it, that was something that has always been at the back of my mind, you know, and looking at, looking at Dr. Tolone or, or to Sony and, you know, really getting into that. And, and the, the other, I think another opportunity that you could have had was with the Krogans. It would have been almost awesome if they could have been asexual and been able to, uh, genetically life finds a way to quote Jurassic Park somehow for the males to somehow gestate and, and be able to create life. I thought they could have, they, they really missed an opportunity there for what the Salarians did to the Krogan. I think that you had an option there that it, it was so early in, in, in the newfound world where it was okay to be gay. It was okay to, you know, be not a hundred percent straight. They had such an opportunity there and I felt like they missed it. That's just my own personal thought. Because uh, I, I adore the Mass Effect trilogy. I think three was kind of a bomb, but two is my favorite. Um, I, I really, I just think that there were so many options for them to be able to explore other things than heterosexual normality. And so that's that's my experience with it. Um, I, I don't know if you can make any in the in the remake, if you can do any same sex couplings. I'm not sure. I don't remember. It's been a minute. From from what I've been experiencing in the first game, those options are relatively limited, and there is an effort currently by modders to reinstill those options because those have been developed. The voice lines exist from a development side. I've talked to my uh, other host previously, Angel. He's a game developer, and it's really not difficult to do. You're just switching out character models in text and in voice lines. You just swap pronouns if necessary. But from a game development standpoint, it's relatively straightforward. It's much more a, like, do they want to pursue this option? Um, but I know in Mass Effect 2, that option exists much more readily. Um, I didn't even try to romance Liara as a female shepherd in the first one and still ended up in a relationship with Liara, <laughs> much to my surprise. Um, but it's definitely available and open, and there's much t- there's much to be said and a lot of... Um, improvement to be made on the different uh, lovemaking scenes. I know that those get backlash for being kind of childish, but it's uh, 
they're, they're just very basic and i know that's yeah. not the point like it's not intended to be pornographic but it's a bit funny when you kind of reach the height of your romantic acceptance of this person and then they have these clumsy <laughs> weird bodies that they're just smashing together and you're like okay so we're just playing with dolls that's great yeah. <laughs> um so for me with bioware i, I came in at andromeda um I I enjoyed because I hadn't played any of the other games, so I enjoyed Andromeda for what it was. I didn't have anything to compare it to. Um, I think I ended up romancing Jill in that one, the engineer, and that was really cute. Because and this is part of my criticism with Inquisition is uh, Jill was a mechanic. He was like the, the chief engineer on the ship, which is a sort of a, a very traditionally sort of masculine heteronormative sort of role mm-hmm. for a man to to go into. Obviously, Dragon Age there are dragons and, and wizards and you know circle of magi and chantry and stuff. So it's quite different. But one of my biggest grievances with Inquisition, at least, was that the LGBT characters were often cliches. Um, and I loved the characters, and you know, I I flipped between you know romancing Iron Bull and Dorian over <laughs> many a playthrough. But my concern. After I played through it, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And then it, it sank in and it settled a bit. Like, Dorian, the same-sex male uh, romance option, for example, is a mage. And there's always jokes in, like, MMOs about mages being gay anyway. Um, and so he's a mage. And he's really flamboyant. And he's really sassy. And he's very witty and sharp-tongued. He's very much into fashion and the finer things and very refined. Um, and I was like... Okay, like there are there are gay men who are like that, you know. I I borderline on it sometimes. Um, but that was the only option. So that was the only gay male option, and then the the same was kind of similar for the same sex female option for for Sarah. I think it was. It was quite an extreme character, and then you know, so your only two LGBT options are very polarized characters. They're very extreme beings. They're very flamboyant. They're very in your face. They really make a statement one way or the other. And you know, one person I wished I could have romanced was Cullen, who was entirely unassuming and was kind of really stoic and taciturn and um, you know, kind of hot. Um, <laughs> yes. And it was just, I just caught, it just, yeah, after I think my, my first playthrough, I was like, ah, the options are there and they're good, but they're cliches. I don't think they're well done cliches. Um it would have been nice. I mean, the, the bisexual options were actually preferable in many respects. Uh, I think it's uh, Isabella, the ambassador, um, is the, the bisexual woman uh, romance option in the game and is you know, a diplomat and, and all these kind of nuanced things is really interesting, but isn't an extreme eye-catching statement-making character. And I feel like it, it's okay for queer people to make statements and be eye-catching and to be fabulous but it's also okay for us to just be regular people in very unassuming positions or roles um and i feel like you don't often get that i feel like it's often a statement piece when it does go in and it isn't always a a generous one i mean that's often the case with more recent or at least in my modern memory of like Disney making plays at, you know, putting queer characters in their films. Um, it feels like the, uh, the like kind of the, a version of greenwashing where they're just like, check out this new gay character in a Disney film. And you're like, great, but they're not in the Chinese version. And they're in like one scene where they might be kind of 
yeah it might allude to it like you haven't committed like you've done a thing for show but you haven't actually committed to it it'll be really nice i imagine that this is just a thing that will be happening as it becomes more just prevalent and and stuff and people are just more accepting of it is like oh this is just perfectly normal you don't have to have a gay character that's out all over the place it's fine if they are if that's like them as a character but you can lean more into like making it less cliche there's yeah. more to them than just this maybe they also like brunch i don't know but maybe they also like have brunch. more to a character <laughs> i mean it was interesting because in dragon age in two you had anders who was um again a, a game age who knew um <laughs> And was getting very kind of larger than life. I think it was, I'm going to get this wrong, it was either Fenris or Fennec or something, who was this very taciturn, withdrawn elf. And that was intriguing. It was like a very nuanced option to have, as opposed to Anders, who I did end up romancing and running away with, obviously, because he's a mage and I was a mage. <laughs> obviously, a gay mage. But um, it was tantalizing to have an option that was, you didn't know what to expect through the conversations. In conversation with Dorian, I am, am expecting sass and all this kind of stuff. But, yeah, I just want more diversity. I want more surprise. That's all I want. And I know that, you know, going forward, that's something that we can potentially expect from games. But I know that we have uh, a few things to attend to and need to be wrapping up here. So I appreciate both of you hopping on and giving me kind of a tour of your past and and maybe some hopes for the future and experiences that you've had relating to pride or, or different things that you'd like to see related to your own lives. But um, before we head out, if uh, people wanted to reach you, Chef, where might they uh, message you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Billy Damoose. You can find me through, uh, we're following each other, so if they look up yours, they can find me through there or Oak. Um, you can also find me on Watchpoint Pride. Excellent. And and Oak, if you wanted someone to reach out to, where might they, they contact you? I would advise caution, but you can get me on like Twitter and Instagram at the Oaken Forest. Yes. And via kind of Watchpoint Pride and, and, and Spitfire and Hang and I and all that jazz. And if you ever want to reach me, I'm Tony Ray UK on Instagram and Twitter and most everything else. If you ever want to reach out to the podcast as well, send us encouragement, questions, concerns, anything like that. Our email, again, is spawncamppodcast at gmail.com. And our socials are spawn underscore camp on Twitter and Instagram. But thank you so much, everyone, for uh, for listening. And thank you both, Oak and Chef, for hopping on and, and uh, providing some of your nuanced feedback here. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for having us. And happy Pride, everyone. Happy Pride, everyone. Happy Thanks pride. for having me. All right, bye.